Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Mutulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens! Coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening. For you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. And you are listening to Our Common Ground. Thank you so much for being with us tonight on this Friday night special. Tonight at Our Common Ground with my co-host, Alpha of the Alpha Show, and we hope that you will take time tomorrow at TruthWorks Network here at Blog Talk Radio to join Alpha on the Alpha Show at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I'm Janice Graham, and he is Alpha. Alpha, good evening, and good evening to everyone in our audience. Before we begin, we want to invite those of you who are guests and you are listening to join us in our chat room, which is open for discussion of our broadcast tonight. Tonight we're going to be covering the U.S. boycott of the World Conference on Global Racism, Rape in the Congo, the Tools of War. And we are going to be talking about uh, Eddie Long hijacking the power of God in Atlanta and over the heads of our people. And we hope that you will join us in our discussion. Alpha, how are you? Good evening, Janice, and congratulations to you and your lovely granddaughter, Amani, on her on her uh the beginning of her voyage. Because yeah, it her, is the beginning. What it is. Thank and you so much, Alpha. It was a wonderful time for our family to watch her come to this point, this major um benchmark in her life because it is very much a a beginning and we were quite proud of her and she may be listening tonight and I too extend again congratulations to her for the six awards that she walked away from at her honor ceremony on uh, Monday night 
six awards of 15 from her um, school. And we were quite proud, and thank you for thinking of it. We also want to extend to our listener, Afia Wangaza, who is uh, one of our big fans, and she has been a guest here at Our Common Ground. She is a broadcaster as well, and she is part of the working group of the U.S. Human Rights Network working on the issue of U.S. political prisoners. Happy Earth Day, birthday, and anniversary to her. And we're hoping that India Declare of the India Declare Show is feeling better and will be back at the microphone rocking her mic on on Monday. She has been quite ill. So uh, we're wishing her well. And um, TruthWorks Network, Deborah, Dr. Deborah Napier has been ill. She has come through her surgery, but she's struggling to come back to herself again. Alpha, I guess, um, you know, we're not usually on the air broadcasting on a Friday night. I think that we're going to start doing this regularly because I'm finding it very difficult in coming from always having a long career of Monday through Friday, three hours daily, uh, getting through a lot of material, seeking the truth, being at the truth and the truth that matters with uh, our listening audience, So, uh, and combining call-in as well. So I think we might be doing this, uh, more and more we we have to settle in on it radio is a uh, uh hard work wouldn't you agree alpha uh, if you do it right <laughs> <laughs> oh once, once you get beyond all of the breaks and all of the things and the breaks are necessary but uh and not the breaks know, are good hour you know so, you know uh, you would you would never go for a swim and not come up for air. Only the Am fish. Am I being clever tonight? Only the fish. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things, and I should let people in our audience know that um, I came back to radio after uh, maybe a, a year out of broadcasting and only doing some part-time stuff. Um, because I felt that the content of what was happening on Black Talk Radio uh, is very important, that um, the the ability for black people to get together. I, I, I like to refer to our common ground as the town meeting, the town hall meeting uh, that I used to host uh, on a daily basis, and now trying to do it on a weekly basis, which makes it hard. Um, at one point, it was community radio. Now it's international, global radio. And uh, we need the town hall meeting. If other people are talking about the issues, progressives, liberals, socialists, Marxists, black people, black nationalists, pan-Africanism needs to be talking every day, all day long. And it can't be about those things which entertain. And you know what my criticism 
about all of those things are. So I came back because I have a commitment to informing, to teaching, to bringing leader, thought leadership and the best black minds and black ideas to black people. And that's what we're trying to do. But I am thinking about retiring. I think that there are those who are uh, generations of radio hosts, talk radio hosts who are behind me, that there are some who are getting better. There are some that are very good at it. And the holes are not as big as they were, say, four years ago. And then we have TruthWorks Network, uh, and we're trying to build that. And and we do want to remind you that TruthWorks Network at Blog Talk Radio will be adding a new show, Architects of Change, with Elvin Dowling, coming this Wednesday night at 9 p.m., a brand-new show. Dr. Deborah will be back uh, probably not until I talked with her today, and probably not until mid-August. But one of the things that people also can do to help us and to support us is by going to our common ground com and just registering with us so that we know um, that who you are and how we can get in touch with you. Um, you know, we have a number of listeners who are our regular listeners who if you're not signed up at ourcommonground-talk.ning.com, you won't get our emails for specials like this. So we hope that you certainly will support us. Uh, we have a page on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, Janice OCG, and um, take down our email address and send us a note, and we'll know how uh, to get in touch with you. Um, don't forget the Alpha Show. My co-host tonight, Alpha of the Alpha Show, 3 p.m. tomorrow, TruthWorks Network. It is the Black Voice Cooperative. Uh, Collaborative But uh, it is time For me to hang up my microphone Uh, This has been a very good run Of um, I started This journey in 1986 um, And uh, I'm finding that It is becoming Something that Um we need to do, we need to support, and maybe that is a better role for me at this time. Thank you again for being with us, and uh, tonight we are going to discuss the U.S. boycott of of the World Conference on Global Racism. For some of you, you might know it as... um, You might know it under some other name, but it is, you might know it as, um, uh, some people are calling it Dervon III. Um, But in any case, 
uh, it is something that's really interesting that uh, how long ago it seems that the black Secretary of State for the United States, who at the time was Colin Powell, was being asked to support his consciousness over his administrative relationships and party relationships. Um, And we saw a liberal double standard at that time as the United States pulled out of the UN Conference on Racism and Xenophobia due to concerns that the conference would merely be a session in which Zionists were bashed. Colin Powell was attacked for not standing up to the administration who itself was racist. Now, here we are in 2011. In the age of Obama, we see plans for the United States government to... The United States government has announced in the age of Obama that it will boycott the same conference for the second time under Commander-in-Chief Barack Obama. And it struck me that this news did not trigger the same questions of President Obama or Susan Rice, the ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the U.N. The key ebony decision-makers in and over the State Department Did something change in these short 10 years from the time that Colin Powell was the first black secretary of state? Are our protests and criticism only useful tools of indictment against enemy targets? This is the story. The Obama administration will boycott with regret, and that is quote, unquote, this UN conference on racism next week, over objections of objectionable language in the meeting's final document. That's what they said in 2009. This September, the United States plans to gather for its 10th annual UN World Conference on Racism, The United States and Israel both walked out of the conference because they felt that the gathering was anti-Semitic by criticizing Israel in a draft resolution on Zionism. Joseph McManus, the acting U.S. Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs, claims that the conference included ugly displays of intolerance, and anti-Semitism. U.S. Senator Kirsten Gildebrand said that she welcomes the United States' decision to boycott the conference. The United States may have another reason for avoiding U.S. conferences on racism. The U.S. has been accused of racism itself for its treatment of African Americans and certain ethnic and national immigrants. Some claim that it is a human rights violation that African Americans experience 
far higher unemployment than whites, poorly funded educational systems, and far greater rates of incarceration. The criticism has grown and continues as black unemployment continues to rise here in the U.S. Professor Michelle Alexander recently stated that the United States should consider new methods of incarceration because the current system has had a disproportionate impact on the African-American community. I go back to my original question, and we certainly invite your comments at 347-838-9852. And those questions are these. Should the United States participate in this conference? And should this boycott be broken by the voices of black people in this in this country? We certainly welcome your phone calls at 347-838-9852. The United States this September will boycott the 10th annual UN World Conference on Racism. Alpha, this is the second conference. This is Durban 3. The U.S. boycotted, well, they actually walked out on 2. How, my question really is, is about this. How can a country that has been plagued by issues of racism and white supremacy with the statistical evidence, police brutality, educational attainment, uh, incarceration, as, as Michelle Ale- Dr. Michelle Alexander points out, and then announce a boycott of this particular conference. How can that be? Well, I'm going to put it very distinctly. So, and when I say it like that, I'm look. I'm saying it like this. This is where you are when you fear your critics if you do the right thing. You know, this bit about Israel being an anti-Semitic rhetoric, you know, the Israelis are simply of that ilk. They are of the same ilk of a 1950s and 1940s United States. With with the racism that they have shown and they have practiced in Israel, along with the racism and the historic racism from the United States, I I don't expect anything other than what you are seeing. This is another clear case of allowing and capitulating <clears throat> your good and that's what they're doing. The United States itself has this 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 ugly history. And so has Israel. So I don't expect them to, you know, uh participate in Well uh, you know, during the last this this is this is an issue that has been held before the international community for for the last 50 years 
since the adoption in 1948 of the Universal Declaration of, of Human Rights. And this, this international community that gathers for this conference has made some important advances in the fight against racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and all kinds of intolerance. National and international laws have been enacted and numerous international human rights instruments have been created as a result of this conference, particularly uh, a treaty to ban racial discrimination was adopted. And I, I mean, the fight against apartheid in South Africa was uh, was an important part of what this conference does and I just for the life of me can't I can't figure out why we are so silent on this we're silent on it because not to be to to participate in it would basically be giving the the, the nod to the language and see the language that is inside of this particular gathering is truth. And we don't want to stand, you know, stand up inside that arena and listen to the truth and ignore the truth. So it would be better that we simply didn't show up for the truth. There's well, really one of the absolutely things... no, no conscience. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, the 2001 conference was held in Durban, South Africa, which is why it's called Durban 1, 2, and 3. And it was under the UN auspices. And um, in the conference, African countries led by Nigeria and Zimbabwe and African-American non-governmental organizations wanted individual apologies. That was the that was the first salvo for killing off this conference. Then in 2009 when the conference was held, which it was held in Geneva, Switzerland, and I had the opportunity to spend some time with one of um uh my daughter's guest um my daughter's neighbor has a house guest who is here for a month um, from Geneva just visiting, and we were talking about this. But I think this is all about, I think this is all about Israel. Durban 3, which is what it's called, is scheduled to be in New York City. And it was mandated by the 2009 General Assembly Resolution. And these conferences have been criticized by Western governments for allegedly promoting rather than combating racism. But that's because, guess what they want to talk? They want to talk, Doc Don, I'm telling you, they want to talk truth. And the truth is that the oppression going on against the Palestinian people by the state of Israel is the bottom line. I know I I, I I hear what you're saying, and I partly agree, Alpha, that it's about our own system of of racism and the way in which our own justice department 
neglects the issues of racism in this country. But I think for the international community, I'm, I'm trying to find the um, – I had a, an article about all of the countries, in addition to Israel and the United States, that are boycotting uh, this particular uh, conference in New York in September. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, there's a whole list. And they're all American and Israeli allies. And the thing is that we want to know from our listeners what their thoughts are about why Americans are being so very um, quiet, damn near silent. But but Janice... If you're not if you're not if you're not compliant and you don't go along with Israel, then the critics your critics label you as anti-Semitic. Your critic this is about being held victim, being held hostage by a configuration of a consensus of Israel can do no wrong. When aside, they are only second and racism to the United States. And see, when you when you bring those particular facts to bear, then all your the, the pushback against that is you're anti American or you're uh-huh. you're anti Semitic. You see, uh-huh. because they can never stand on the facts. They can never dispute the facts. And the facts are, are you know, right there in your face. Yeah. You know, you so the first thing they want to decry and stand behind is the Holocaust. Now, yeah, the Holocaust, yeah. it was tragic, but they don't stand for our Holocaust as black people, as slaves coming over here in the bowels of those ships. Nobody stood for that Holocaust. Yeah. And when Our number you is three, four, seven, eight. And all of a sudden, you know, you're anti-Semitic on America. Yeah, you're right, Alpha, and I think that one of the things that we've got to get serious about, you know, one of the things that black people are always talking about are who they love, all the dead poets, all the dead people. But one of the things that was clear, if you are a follower, if you are someone who believes in the basic tenets sat down by Malcolm X, then you have to understand that this conference is what Malcolm spent the last month of his life trying to put together in his tour of Africa. You're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. We're going to take a break. Our number is 347-838-9852. And you regulars, if you want a regular Friday night, the phones better be lighting up. 347-838-9852. We'll be right back. Black people in this country have a whole other set of circumstances that impact on our pain. We either internalize it and we have major illnesses, hypertension, heart disease, cancer, 
or it comes out. We'll self-medicate with drugs, alcohol, food, and sex, gambling, working 24-7, and the hurting and the killing each other. why I'm fine one minute and the next my body aches so bad I can't move. I want to know why my hair is falling out. I'm only 17. I'm tired all the time. Now this rash. I just want to know what's going on. When you don't have the right answers it may be time to ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope visit couldihavelupus.gov or call 1-800-994-9662. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council. This is Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio, speaking truth to power and ourselves. And we're back, and thank you so much. We didn't go anywhere. Did you go anywhere, Alpha? We really did. I hate when, when, when talk hosts, when, when radio host people say we're back. They were sitting in the same seat, unless you're running your own board or something. Thank you for being with us tonight on this Friday special at Our Common Ground. Uh, In this first segment, we're talking about the U.S. boycott of the World Conference on Global Racism, or Durban III. it is a United Nations scheduled conference to be held in New York City, uh, September 21st. Uh, it was mandated by the 2009 General Assembly of the UN Resolution to commemorate the UN Durban Conference on its 10th anniversary. And the United States government, meaning the um, President Barack Obama administration, has decided to boycott the conference. I think that um, uh, we're hiding behind a lot of things. But one of the things that I am not understanding is why the American people, the liberal community, the progressive community, is being so quiet about this pronouncement over the boycott. This is what um, Joseph McManus, the acting U.S. Assistant Secretary for Legislative Affairs, claims that the conference included ugly displays of intolerance and anti-Semitism. Um, And then U.S. Senator Kirsten Gildebrand had said that, and I quote her, it is an insult to America that the United Nations has decided to hold the Durban III conference in New York just days from the 10th anniversary of the September 11th attack. We all witness how extreme anti-Semitic 
and anti-American voices took over. And to me, Alpho, that seems as though she's claiming that the conference is anti-Semitic and the conference is um, is um, is uh, anti-American. Well, that's the whole thing. You see, if that kind if that kind of pushback isn't presented as fact, or isn't you know pushed out there, you see, this is not just you know the the you know uh, the lack of progressives and liberals. This is the culmination. This is the duplicity of our media. This is the duplicity of our political figures. They are not going to go if to hold to support this conference on racism is to be anti-Israel, and that is where our focus is in this country: pro-Israel, pro-Israel, pro-Israel. You must always be for Israel, despite the level of war crimes that they've committed, despite the level of or disparaged treatment for the Palestinians, despite their heavy-handedness and their so-called keeping themselves safe. You know, the history the history of the Israelis, they have their dirty little hands in all of this. And the Jewish community here in the United States has their dirty little hands in all of this. They have I mean, brought one of the things, one of the on things you politics. can ask is, one of the things, also that you can ask is, is there a difference? Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, the racism, the history but, of racism in this country and what the Israelis have done in their history to the Palestinians, there's no difference. You know, the, the only thing that the the, the, Pal- the uh, Israelis like to do is, is simply, you know, hide behind the Holocaust. And, and, and we're not going to allow this to happen again. You know, well, the thing is that Israel does not want any solution uh in regard to its relationship with uh, with uh, the people, uh, the the Palestinian people, for which it does not serve the mission of of um, of of um, Israel. Well, the right wing of it's, Israel, because the right, uh, yes, yes, Benjamin, absolutely. Benjamin Netanyahu sure looked like the Klansman to me. As he stood in the in the in the uh, in the halls of our Congress and got 29 standing ovations for putting up this front or checking that nigger in the White House, because that's just but the but the other part of it that if you really closely look at what Netanyahu had to say to our Congress, he didn't say anything differently. He said nothing differently than what President Obama had already said. Well, that's but see, that's a, it wasn't played like that. It wasn't disseminated like that. It was disseminated that Obama hated Israel, and if that's what's so political about it, and that's what I mean 
when I speak about his unwillingness to stand up. And well, you see, you, you've got some things going on in the Congress around this conference, too, and those are the aggressively pro-Israeli congresspeople, and I want to name them. Oh, Representative Eileen Ross Lettenton of the Republican of Florida and Senator Kirsten Gildebrand. And on November 10th, Representative Ross Letton of Florida, the ranking Republican of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, called on the Obama administration to announce publicly, quote, right, announce, quote, announce publicly right now that we will stay away from Durban III, deny it U.S. taxpayer dollars, and oppose all measures that seek to facilitate it, and we should encourage other responsible nations to do the same. These are the voices who have labeled this conference, both this conference, Durban 1 and Durban 2, as extremely anti-Semitic and extremely anti-American. And we understand who they are, as you would say, who they are playing to. Who is the who are the constituents uh, of these two representatives? One in the House and one in the senator from um, the Democratic senator from New York. We'll take your calls at three four seven eight three eight. 9852 Alpha, let's go out to our phones. 405, you're on the air. Thank you for your call. What are your comments? Well, good evening there, Janice and Alpha. And house. The doctor is in the house. How, How are, are you, Don? I'm pretty good. I'm rolling with the punches here. Still in the game. Mm-hmm. Little, well, tell us about present. this game. Well, you know, I, I don't. My comment on this subject here is that should we really be surprised that uh, this administration is taking the position that it's taken with regard to Africa, black people? I mean, this administration is representative of the United States government. And if we take a historical look back at the United States government and see how they have mistreated some of their melanated citizens, then it should be no surprise to us that when push get to a shove and some light need be exposed on areas heretofore not put out there as often as need be in order for understanding to come to some people in this country, it doesn't surprise me at all about the position that they're taking. Uh, it's one of uh, continued uh, patronage to Israel, which is rooted deeply in the Christian Christian philosophy, religion, belief, whatever you want to call it, pushed by the religious right uh, in this country and zealots that uh, uh, that believe a biblical interpretation of the Bible that these people. Uh, have no stake in the land that God, who
who is supposed to be a God of uh, treating everyone equally, without prejudice, has somehow appointed them as the keeper of the lands in Africa, our country, to begin with. Uh, you know, like there's some covenant uh, with uh, the Creator. So, the, you know, when you look at it and analyze it and, and toss it all up and shine a light all underneath it and over it and, out, and out, you know, through it, uh, it's no surprise to me that uh, the president is is, is uh, carrying on the policies, uh, traditional policies of this country with respect to black people worldwide. Not only him, the other European leaders. Well, one of the things that that just continues to, and I'd like to get your um, your your take on it, is that we just continue to be silent about it. You know, well, I, I'm thinking that you know that that at some point uh, we have got to have a voice. Uh, a, res- a resistance voice to all of this, because Correct. this we, we conference need really, this conference really is the point at which, you know, it was Egypt that got me thinking about the boycott, divestment, sanctions movement, and at some point, I'm wondering if Israel is working so hard uh, around. Uh, discrediting this conference. I mean, if you think about it, you've got uh, the Italian vice president of the Committee of Foreign Affairs, uh, Nierenstein, um, who is uh, storming against it, uh, and it's all fed by, by the Jerusalem Post. You've got the United Nations Watch, who's... who's, who's uh, um, Views are against it, the Anti-Defamation League, the American Jewish Committee, B'nai B'rith. But where are the voices of the oppressed people in this country? Are the people who believe, I mean, all of us stood there, Egypt, and we were all for freedom and anti-oppression policies and, 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 and foreign uh, put foreign uh, affairs positions on on Egypt. Here we are supporting um, the attacks against Libya. Um, we're, re- we're 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 storming Yemen, but we don't want to have a conference. Come on, Don. Well, there is no resistance uh, uh, that's going to be put forth by. Uh those who we would uh, expect our elected uh, uh, representatives in this government to uh, put forth any type of opposition or expose the uh, truth of the matter to the American public. I mean, when you're sitting down and you have been invited to the king's table and uh, you're part and parcel of the government, and, 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 you know, I mean, Rome is Rome. It is what it is. Uh, as an, an, an analogy, and so uh, especially uh, the civil rights people uh, in our organization, so-called, 
you know, it's not like it used to be when uh, when Dr. King, Malcolm X were alive. And in fact, I just want to make mention here: we lost Clara Looper here this week, yes. who was, was great, yesterday. great, great woman, and mm-hmm. a, a, a person of, of stature Oklahoma and civil uh, rights pioneer. That's right, a pioneer here in Oklahoma and around this this United States. So you know, I mean, we set the example with Cats Drugstore. So uh, you know, nothing surprises me that 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 uh, that uh, uh, the so-called uh, leadership in this country is uh, not saying anything. I haven't heard a peep out of them, hardly. Uh, you know, I mean, they have been off the scene. The Black Caucus is not saying anything because uh, of the uh, power and the. Uh, well, you the, know why that? Yes. You know. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're afraid to get investigated, Jimmy. I mean, when you when you get your hands in 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 into the uh, the mix and you partake uh-huh. of the uh, the goods. Then you're part and parcel of it, just like uh, uh, this senator. I mean, this representative out of New York. I mean, Weiner. You know, I mean, he well, was. Well, you a, know, at the at the very least, <laughs> I'm not understanding why people are not writing and blogging about it to the extent that they are not. Who cares? Who cares about what happens to black folks, Janice? And black people are afraid. We have been conditioned to not uh, 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 fight as we used to have uh, fought. We've been, we've been lulled to sleep by the comforts of of, uh, of uh, stuff, and we have not kept our eyes on the ball. We have not been diligent. We have not done our due pro, uh, due diligence in in uh, staying on top and staying abreast of. Uh, what the uh, political scene is all the way, you know, historically, uh, where the money comes from, who has the money, who controls the money, who's meeting about money, and money is the bottom line. So, uh, you know, I don't expect any uh, opposition uh, from uh, from anyone of, uh, you know, to, uh, to uh, for us. I mean, if we haven't risen up already, you know, and protested and been out in the street, burning these, yeah, you know, doing what we need to have to do to get some attention. I mean, it's it's a little late now. Mhm, mhm. That's my feeling well, on it. You know, that's why I'm saying, you know, it's a it's a dire situation. I mean, this chat room ought to be loaded with with individuals who want to come to school and sit down at the table of knowledge and partake and discuss and exchange ideas uh, from all over the country. Uh, of like minds and even differences of opinion that we can have a, a, a civil discourse about, but uh, you know that's not happening. You know. Well, you know, at some point, I I, I want to say, I, I I really want to say, all the people who say they loved Malcolm, mm-hmm. who said who said that they cared about Malcolm's murder. Our assassination was cut off from his work of Pan Africanism, mm-hmm. black and nationalism, and hijacked but, by those in power now that uh, claim to have taken his mantle up and actually have hijacked. This is the vehicle that he was trying. One of the things that Malcolm said. 
that we need to stop marching and we need to stop uh, boycotting and what we need to do, do is go to the UN and take black people's case to the UN. Of course. Uh, which is a legitimate court, but uh, still, you know, I mean, when you look at the UN, uh, you know, they're over there, the main ones fighting the, the, the blacks on the African continent now, uh, a part of them, and, and uh, NATO, and, you know, I mean, you have them all, all, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You're absolutely so, right. So, you know, I mean, uh, what are we going to get? What, 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 what power actually uh do we really have to, or influence uh, can we bring uh, about by uh taking our case there other than delay delay putting it out front people already know our condition our condition in this country has been known uh, uh, uh not only in this country black people worldwide for 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 as long as i can remember and 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 so uh you know i see no 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 progress made at all toward equity uh, no progress made toward any type of empathy and understanding in fact since colin powell was out of the administration i mean uh, he 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 uh, was uh you know the good guy and look at the guy in there now the president and look how he's being treated but, look how he's being one of the things, Don, that we ought to be ashamed of, Susan Rice is an African-American woman mm-hmm, who came out of poverty, mm-hmm. who benefited from affirmative action, Yes. who had to be ten times better than any competition she came up against. And yep. she knew it. As the ambassador to the U.N., Mm-hmm. And allows this to happen, we ought to be outraged that we, if we don't have a voice in this conference, we have no voice because we have discovered we have no voice at the Justice Department. No, we have no voice. We have no real voice. We we, we really, really don't. No, Don, you're absolutely right. And see, my whole thing is this when Malcolm, Malcolm really believed that that was redress that he could get justice at the U.N. Mm-hmm. When even back then, justice at the U.N. was a fantasy because the U.N. back then was controlled by these United States, just exactly. like controlled by broke. these United States now. That is basically arguing and fighting and giving up your life and your life's work to get to the into the vestibule door, and only to have the main gates are fortified with, and seething and dripping with racism, uh, political hacks, and you know, you know, it, it, it's a, it's like fighting to get to nowhere. Sure. Uh, absolutely, Alpha. I mean, I mean, when we uh, uh, look at the historical, uh, put it in a historical perspective, and see what happens to individuals, uh, men and women, uh, who uh, want to uh, uh, bring about some uh, sense of uh, social uh, justice around the world and in this country, we know what happens to them. Be them, be they come. 
through and try to change and bring in uh, uh, some uh, fairness to the system and equity in, in, into, into play, be they uh, 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 militant, quote, unmilitant, or a, a person of the cloth, as, as, as Dr. King was. So who, who wants to pay that sick the neck out and pay that supreme price and, and sacrifice? You know, uh, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Well, I think so. You know, one of the things, too, and I want to point this out, that none of your friends, Alpho, uh, Mr. Schultz, Mr. Chris Matthews, who seems not to know anything about anything, uh, Rachel Maddow, nobody is talking about this boycott. Not a peep. Are, are you surprised? That's what I'm saying. No. That demonstrates the uh, the the uh, extent of influence that uh, that is accorded to melanated people as 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 we are. And I mean, uh, uh, that's why it's imperative that we uh, uh, try and and uh, uh, do the proper uh, bringing up, rearing, and training of our own children that we leave behind here that we can uh, have some type of hopefully, uh, uh, you know, get them at least thinking in the right, uh, on, in the right direction. But I still really, really, you know, when I look at it and see the extent to which we are unlearned and uh, have, the, have such a tremendous lack of knowledge as to this subject matter or any other subject matter that pertains to our progress in uh, this system and throughout the world. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I could, I, I, I could get depressed. You know, I could, I could get really, really depressed to see well, the, well, uh, the absolute job that they're that offering is done you, Don. One of the things that they're offering you, Don, is a whole week of discussion about um, Anthony Weiner's penis, and that that keeps you from your depression. That's a cure. Yeah, yeah, that's a cure, all right. And you know the old song that says, "I don't want no cure. I don't want no cure." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, seriously, you know, that's uh, you know, that's where we are. That's our standing in the world. That's how come the, these. Uh, 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 but it also speaks to our standing in, in our Hollywood, own Janice, are putting out this. These who are backed by uh, 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 um, uh, the the bankers, and we know who the bankers are, uh, who's bankrolling these uh, uh, songs and 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 lyrics and 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 uh, who's publicizing mis mis distorted truth and. Uh, Who's propagandizing uh, 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 blacks in this country throughout uh, this this media uh, that we see, be it television, newspaper, radio, whatever you have, uh, to where we are just made, uh, we have been demonized. And when you have demonized someone and a people, then it's easy to mistreat them because you do not see them as an equal. And, uh, you know, this has been the system. And that's what we're fighting, and that's what we must teach our children. That's what we, why we must uh, diligently 
uh, uh, hold our heads up and uh, walk circumspectly and fight it uh, as best we can with our intelligence and our mind because if they control your mind, you might as well be controlled by chains again. So uh, that's what we need to do. We need to protect these children's minds, make sure they get the proper thing in it. Like I tell my daughter, I say, you know, your son, my grandson is putting on this tape and that tape, bringing this one to you, he's almost he's two years old. I said, now you need to be teaching him some Chinese, you need to be teaching him some Spanish, and you need to, that's the type of tapes you need to be bringing in while he is yet young, one, two, five, so that he can be prepared for what he's going to have to face. Well, I think that to the extent that we have a voice on this boycott, we have to understand we will never have a voice on the issue of the over-incarceration of black boys and black men. We will never have a voice on the education of our, the public education of our children and the destruction of the public educational system in this country. We will never, ever have a voice over the inadequacy and inequalities of black economics in our own community because we don't even really have a community anymore. No, we have neighborhoods. We have neighborhoods. We have to learn to measure our voice. And if we don't have a voice... On, on whether or not we can talk about it, whether or not individuals, because of their political and religious or cultural attachment and relationships to whatever it is, because it is personal rather than public policy, we will never have a voice. This is about American public policy. It is about global policy. And they are saying that we don't want to hear the truth, so we simply will boycott the conference. Because we have friends that are more important than U.S. tax uh, payers. Well, if you look at the history, like I said, how many more uh, 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 of our people, our ancestors, and living and dead are going to have to write about the destruction of black civilization uh, uh, and, and other uh, works that shows the mistreatment with uh, Carter Woodson. I mean, how many more people we would need to be, uh, uh, you know, writing and trying to apprise us of what we must do and how to go about doing it? Uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, you know, I mean, he said that, you know, Ten years ago, we'd, we'd, we'd lost the game if we hadn't got it by now, if you read his book, yep. Paranomics. Yeah. And so uh, unless we uh, really uh, try and um, get situated in circles to where we can have some respectability uh, locally, beginning locally, just like I said, Clara Looper, I get involved with the police department here uh, quite often. And so, uh, you know, I, I have some degree of, uh, of respect there, um, and, but it's a tough, it's a tough, yeah. tough nut to crack. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah, it's yep, tough. Yep, that's right. 
tough. It's you know, there's, it's lonely at the top. Yep. Hey Don, thanks for your call. Um, we're gonna switch gears here. Thank you. Uh, right now, thank you, Don. Have a good weekend. We you hope too. you'll join us tomorrow night. Okay. We do. We do want to let you know that tomorrow night we'll have our regular Our Common Ground um, programming. Our guest, our topic will be the color of economic equality, inequality. And our guest will be Dr. Derek Hamilton, who is an assistant professor at Milano, the new school for management and urban policy. He is a Ford. He was a Ford Foundation Fellow on Poverty, the Underclass and Public Policy at the Poverty Research and Training Center, and his work focuses on the causes, consequences, and remedies of racial and and ethnic inequality in economic and and health outcomes. We certainly. Hope that you will join us tomorrow night here at 10 p.m. at Our Common Ground. We'll be right back, and we'll take your calls at 347-838-9852 on the issue of rape of women in the um, Democratic Republic of Congo. It tops 1,000 rapes a day. That's an average of 48 females age 15 to 49, that are raped every hour in the Democratic Republic of Congo, 26 times more than previously thought a study brings to us. And that is, um, um, those are results which confirm that previous estimates of rape and sexual violence are severely underestimated and the true prevalence of sexual violence occurring in the Democratic Republic of Congo has not been as accurate as we thought. We'll talk about that and the the chronic underreporting when we get back and what you can do and what some of the answers are in rape as a tool of war. I'm Janice Graham, and you're listening to Our Common Ground with my co-host, Alpho. Don, thanks again for your call. We're glad to hear and see all of you in our chat room. Who will pay reparations on my soul?
listening to Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. You know that the ice cream scoop can make a child smile, and that by slowing us down, the traffic light can keep us going. You know that the lawnmower makes life easier, that the blood bank makes life possible. But did you know all these ideas came from the minds of African Americans? Support the United Negro College Fund, because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Visit uncf.org or call 1-800-332-UNCF. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. And thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground on this Friday special. Uh, we certainly uh, enjoy your company on evenings like this. Alpha, it just, you know, we keep talking about it and we keep having these discussions about where are the voices of the resistors. Well, Dennis. It, um, I love it I look, when you say, well, Janice. Well, I look, at it, <laughs> I look at it like this, too. You know, we often spoke about where are the young people to take up the fight as the torch carriers die off. And this is what we worry about. And this is what we should be worrying about. It's there's a race. There's a, a an actual race. Whether or not the people who promote and who advocate for equality, race equality, if the people who advocate and promote race equality amongst African Americans will die off before those who promote the racism. And those who promote the racism, will we be able to fend off those? Will we outlast them? Mm-hmm. And if no one takes up our cause as advocates for equal rights, human rights, and those who are teaching racism, because Racism is carefully taught. If they outlive us, if they win this battle, what will that mean for our children? And mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest you know, that's the biggest question here. Because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we can beat ourselves upside the head till the cows come home. That's mm-hmm. what that's the that's where the race is. That is the competition. Well, you know, as we as we move into this um, topic of what's happening uh, on the uh, Angola and uh, Democratic Republic of Congo border, uh, it was reported last November that 650 women and girls were locked up, tortured, and sexually abused by security forces during. Ma- during the mass expulsions. But we now know that that number 
is more than double of what was reported last November. And it just seems that in this country, we do not understand the import uh, of of such conduct and activity going on. I mean, if you're if you're talking about um, women of childbearing years and teenagers and girls, forty eight between forty eight women between the ages of fifteen to forty nine are raped every hour. Every hour, 48, it's a horror that is only equated to the kind of genocide that occurred in Rwanda. But you see nothing, very little about it uh, in the American news reporting. I mean, I'm looking at where a lot of people go for their news, Huffington Post. It's about emails from, uh, if you look at the headlines, the email trail on Sarah, uh, um, Sarah Palin. Uh, Obama announces pick for FDIC. Sarah Palin shall have her re- revenge on the mainstream media. Anthony Weiner and I, I, I just, I, I just can't. Obama and his golf game with, uh, with uh, Boner, uh, Newt Gingrich's wife, Pelosi declining to um, call for Weiner's um, resignation. Um, GOP congressman suggesting Iraq pay back U.S. for war costs. Uh, but you see nothing about the real – oh, this other idiot, Tracy Morgan, trying to now apologize for his fo- homophobic rant. Um, uh, 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 um, U.S. Uh, Health Department carcinogen list that they've had for 100 years, but they've just been hiding it. That's what you see in our news. There is nothing – about what's happening in the Congo and what it means for generations of citizens of the DRC. Am I off on this? If if you think I'm off on this, uh if you think there's that there is um, like a lot of people think there's nothing that you can do, give us a call 347-838-9852 because it is the same thing Alpha with the with the 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 UN conference if we say nothing of course they will do what they are going to do Dennis if we say something so they will ignore it but i'm with the latter i'd rather say something and challenge them to ignore it i would rather say something and watch their guilt by silence. But you know, and and I mean, there are people who are are genuinely confused about what the U.S. Uh, response ought to be, what kind of U.S. intervention um, that there ought to. I mean, the U.N. is a euphemism for N.W.O. 
as was demonstrated in Haiti, uh, it does not, UN troops uh, are, are on the ground in the, uh, in the DRC, but it seems as though they either don't have enough resources or it doesn't even matter, and maybe military intervention is necessary. Um, the, the, the lack of world demonstration uh, against this atrocity, this genocide, and this is genocide against women because I was there. I spent six months in Rwanda after the genocide, and what happens is that people become so injured by the genocide that, that for the rest of their lives, most of them cannot do anything. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and our number is 347-838-9852, and we're discussing uh, rape as a tool of war against women in the Democratic Republic of Congo. My co-host tonight is Alpha of the Alpha Show, and we hope that you will join him tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. as he does his Just Damn Politics um, on TruthWorks Network. Thank you for being with us, and we're doing this Friday night special um, as a pilot to see if there is interest in expanding our, uh, the opportunity to have the Our Common Ground town hall meeting in the air. But I, I, I'm just not getting it, Alpho. I'm not getting why the world, in the same way, I mean, we're sitting in the same way that we did uh, for Rwanda when, when, when two million people were murdered. Two million people. Forty-six women in the Congo are raped every hour. Where is our humanity? Where is our sense of being part of this thing that they keep talking about, the global community? Humanity doesn't count. Our sense of righteousness doesn't count when it comes to people of color. It's that simple. And if everybody remains silent about it, as you said, if nobody presses our media or anyone to cover it, see, it's not just coverage we need. We need uh, to profoundly criticize the deniers, those who won't cover it, those who don't speak out. You see, as victims of the five uh, points of propaganda, we can we have to stop being victims of the propaganda and begin with the propaganda. It's, you know, we bring a we bring a Bible or a dictionary to a gunfight every single time. Well. You, you you might be right on this, but you know one of the things that um, I I believe Alpha is that if we continue 
on this road. If we continue on this road, then we will continue to see domestic policies like that uh, of what we're seeing in Alabama in regard to immigrants. Well, did you not think that that would come up? Alabama is not going to be the last. They will. Nope. They will copy this. They just like just like Alabama. You and see, people fail to understand, and I don't want to really get into this, but these are these are what the think tanks do. This is the work of Alec A L E C, and I'm gonna leave it there because Alec is in 50 states. Alec is writing the laws as these Republicans have taken over. And I'm talking verbatim, so I'm going to leave it there and not get off this topic about the, the Congo and these uh, and this 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 um, these uh, war crimes that are happening in the Congo. This this I mean this is this is incredible. This is this is terrorism at the lowest level. This is even this is worse than genocide. If anything could be worse than genocide, it's this. It is genocide. And we're seeing the beginnings of genocide in our own country. And if you don't believe it, I mean I, I, one of the reasons that we have a Congress that feels that it can do anything it it wants to do at the behest of the corporations in this country is simply because we do not rise up and resist. And we're going to see more and more of it. We'll take your calls at 347-838-9852 when we come back from this break. We're going to be switching gears and talking about the $25 million settlement in the Eddie Long case. I'm Janice Graham, and he is, um, wait, wait, he is, oh, shoot. Who's with me? <laughs> we'll be right back. But think Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. And here's the children's part about it. NPR leans to the right. NPR leans, and you can ask, you know, and when I say NPR leans to the right, I'm simply speaking about who they have on. They have twice as many conservatives on spewing bovine excrement than they do liberals with their chicken excrement. 
So at some point in time, you have to step back and you have to say, where's the job? What job bills have they introduced? The only thing Republicans have introduced is spending cuts that will cost 700,000 jobs. They are clearly trying to shut down our uh, economic growth and our recovery. You've got governors all over the country turning down jobs for speed rail. Now, regardless of how you feel about the speed rail, you mean the French can do it? Japan can do it, the Chinese can do it, Europe, they can do it over there, but we can't do it here? You know, where is this exceptionalism coming from when we are so uh, mired in ignorance and mired in, 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 in just, just total obstruction? Listening to the best Pushback Politics, The Alpha Show. That matters. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. tonight at Our Common Ground on this Friday special to talk about some issues that are important to us and really raise the ire of whether or not we are embedded in resistance and having our voice. Our number is 347-838-9852, and we'd like to hear from you, Alpha. Um, in the news last week, we heard that um, Bishop Eddie Long, the pastor of um, of the Georgia-based New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, had settled out of court with the four young men who allegedly Long had sexually coerced while they were minors. Uh, After the allegations surfaced last September, Long said he would vigorously defend himself against charges, but as we all knew, it would certainly be not going to to court. It was announced or it was revealed that 
the settlement made out of court, um, allegedly made out of court, uh, was ended in an amount of $15 million. But just in the last couple of days, um, we have found out, it has been reported, that the settlement was in fact $25 million to cover um, some incidentals around the settlement. Now, news of the settlement leaked and allegations that Long has yet to publicly demonstrate a healing with his congregation were supplemented by news that one of Long's most famous church elders, uh, announcement by Reverend Bernice King, the daughter of the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., resigned from New Birth Missionary Baptist Church after the settlement was announced. What's your take on this? I know you don't want me to talk about that. Let me put it like this Just let me say this I'm not surprised And I wouldn't be surprised If Eddie Long didn't issue A mandatory decree That all of the people in his congregation Must up their tithes To cover the 25 million that would be apropos for such ignorant, flock-following stupidity of these sheeple, that's sheep that look like people. And that's exactly what they are, as you recall from the allegations first surfaced. And level of feigned indignation blew up. I haven't seen indignation like that since I've seen the Catholic priest, you know, this, you know, it, it, to me, it, it, it's like, it's even better than chickens coming home to roost. It's even better to say twenty-five million, and I hope they don't allow it to trickle out. I hope they have to pay it right off the bat, even if the place has to go into bankruptcy, even if they have have to bankrupt the ignorance that has supported this so-called holy cathedral. I mean, to me, this is, you settle it out of court after all of this, after you're addressing your congregation and never denying it, but standing on uh, man's weakness and the sins of the flesh, and the whole nine yards. Do you think I'm a, uh, a non-religious person? Do I sound like one? Well, I would think you're right. <laughs> well, um, you know, um, it was uh, alleged that Eddie Long used his influence to satisfy some twisted urges. I was and, alleged? <laughs> now it's alleged. Yes. You okay? Okay. So 
Okay. Let's we're we're gonna we're gonna be responsible broadcasters, but immediately after the allegations were made public, Long boastfully declared him to see to himself to be David with a satchel full of stones. Something like your rocks. Yeah, well he kinda uh, he kinda he kinda threw those stones into that. But as I remember the story as I remember the story of David in the Bible, David never settled, but Long did. And there are a couple of questions that, that I have, and that is what this is going to do to his very large con- uh, um, um, congregation. One of the mistakes we tend to make in our community is failing to realize that churches are businesses. Uh, it is probably true that they may be organizations that foster spiritual growth and development in our communities, but when the pastor leaves the pulpit and the require removes their gowns, money is counted in the back room and decisions are made on what to do with it. In that... Um, a responsible nonprofit allocates at least 70% of its revenue toward the programs it was formed to develop. The other 30% would go toward administrative costs. And some of those costs in our churches, the pastor's well-being should be in that 30%. And according to reports, um, Eddie Long's salary alone not his benefits uh, exceeded a million dollars. So my next question is, uh, I, I look at, uh, according to Live Steve's um, a, a study that they did, uh, black churches have generated over $420 billion since 1980. And based on those numbers, we would assume that $336 billion went to building the black community. Well, we all know that that is not true. So my question is, a, is one of a, a commerce question. What does this settlement do to the black economy? Um, so We'll take your calls at three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two if you can clue us in as to what all of this means. What does it mean to his huge congregation in the uh suburbs of of um Atlanta? What does it mean to the black economy when you're thinking about if we scale back these numbers that, you know, $420 billion since 1980 in black churches, and if Eddie Long's church is one of the largest black churches in this country, if we would see that black churches claim to support relief efforts internationally and at home, which is really throwing up a severe smokescreen because most congregants are unable to personally travel to 
small villages in Angola to validate the church's claim. Okay, I know that I digress. I painted this illustration for us to grab the concept that sometimes when churches claim to be black really aren't if that 70% never makes it to the microcosmic black community. Instead, some of these churches are just half-baked imperialist organizations with black preachers and black people in the pews which much, with much of their funds being filtered up to scratch the back of its leaders, leaving the community empty. What can we expect to now see is skeptic, corporate giving, members doubt in tithing, and the person who was heading the church the very next Sunday to become part of the largest industry that brings relief to the black community become discouraged. What is it all going to mean? Um, if you have any ideas about this, you can call us at 347-838-9852. Alpha, uh, you know, I, I bring all of this up because imperialism is when the benefits are consumed by the leaders. To me, here is where Long is demonstrating his leadership style to be as such. $25 million will go to four people and to the legal cost of not going to court but settling. The question is, where will the settlement money be taken from? The 70%? Are the 30%, the 70% that's supposed to go to the community or the 30% that's supposed to go to the administrative um, uh, costs of the organization? Will it come from the serving of the community or the comfort of the leadership? Well, In other me, words. Let me say this. First, I want to uh, preface all of this by contributing my feigned indignation that you would even speak about, even speak about this insurance company. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It just sounds like an insurance company taking 30% off the top overhead and not putting the 70% into the community. This is the flim-flam man, snake oil salesman, uh, shysters, charlatans, let me let me get my uh, dictionary of uh, descriptive adjectives out to basically uh, hang on that church Christmas tree that I, you know, proudly criticize because this is as you've laid it out. This is a prime example of sheeple, people who being led down this path because. Someone has a gift to gab. I could have been a preacher, but I wound up here. <laughs> but, you know, I, the, the other question that nobody's asking uh, is, you know, the matter has now been resolved. Each of the four complainants will receive uh, approximately $4 million for which they have to pay taxes. 
Um, the lawsuits will be dismissed with prejudice by the close. Well, it should have that should have happened um, last week. So, what what's to happen with these boys? Their lives. I mean. Clearly, the settlement. I mean, not all um, uh, not all settlements are mean. You know, uh, um, lead to guilt. No, but um, it's unlikely that there is not a reason a very legitimate reason why there was a settlement in this case rather than going to court. Certainly, uh, Eddie Long's legal defense would not have been $25 million. So let's take it there. Um, So, you know, a lot of people in the community are asking, where's the money coming from? And it is very unlikely that any bond insurance, which was purchased by the church for their pastor, will pay in this case. Wrongdoing is a reason that an insurance company could turn down this uh, this claim. The fact that only one fact, can cause the insurance company to refuse to pay the claim. And that fact was that this person was ne- negligent and 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 committed malfeasance in his operative behavior by taking a minor out of the country. Uh and just that minor's, just that person's testimony. So I'm sure that the bond bond company will fight any claim. So where does the money come from? And I think it's a very legitimate thing for us to think about when we think about our religious leaders and the importance of the the church economy in the overall community economy. And the other is, what's going to happen to these boys now? $5 million will not buy you enough therapy to have, first of all, been a victim as a child or as a minor, and, and, and second of all, to reconstruct your life. Yeah, but it's a show go a long way till you can drown in your sorrow. Go a long way. Ask some of these people that, that, you know, I think you have to, I I think you have to look at um, the history of people who win the lottery. Five million dollars is not a lot of money. When you, when you are injured, and by that I mean most victims of child molestation and and sexual abuse 
at some point have all kinds of problems, whether it's alcohol, drugs, consumerism, just bad manic, um, um, manic money management. You know you heard of the, the person that won the $20 million and 10 years later they're broke and homeless? You know of those people, right? Well... I was involved. Let me tell you, I was involved in a case. I don't think I ever um, talked about this uh, on the air since I've been out of the Florida market. But um, there was a man uh, in Palm Beach County uh, whose um, whole family was electrocuted while in their house. They lived in a trailer, and he was, uh, you know, a a person that went around every day looking for work. He lost his wife and his children. Uh, The Florida Power and Light Company uh, refused to pay, and um, they went to court, and House Music Lover might remember this case down in, in Palm Beach, Florida, Palm Beach County, Florida, they went to court, and there was finally uh, an award, and I think the award was $40 million. And some 10 years later, Mr. was back into the same trailer where it all started with no money. We'll take your calls. We're talking about Eddie Long at 347-838-9852. We've got about 10 or uh, or less uh, minutes to to take your calls. The number is 347-838-9852. You're listening to Our Common Ground. And thank you so much for uh, being with us this evening. Alpha, I just don't know. I, I, I think about this this Eddie Long case and uh, you know, one of the things one of the things that is so I, I think egregious in all of this is the, the 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 concept of the hypocrisy that played out here. Well, it it seems to have, you know, when you when you get right down to it, you cannot you cannot uh, overlook just the willingness of people to be steered, led, manipulated. I mean, the whole nine yards. It, to me, it speaks to <laughs> it speaks to a bigger chicken coming home to roost. That's what it speaks to. It's a big chicken. Hmm. And, it, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's sad to say it's kind of like that. You get what you vote for. You get mm-hmm. what you vote for. You get what you pray for in this case. And that's 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 a sad, you know, that's a very sad situation because 
you know, you speak about the, the millions that these young men will get and how do they how do they uh treat or get themselves therapy. I don't think it's going to be that difficult for them not to get past this because they will never get past this. And the one thing yes, people, that, that that's exactly what I'm saying. The one thing people must understand about life, there are certain things that you will carry for the rest of your life. There are certain things you cannot unring that bell. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of therapy. There's no, you can't take enough showers. That You know, it's interesting that you said that because one of the complainants in this case said that in an interview, that he could not take enough showers. Well, he was trying to, he was showering and trying to scrub his body rather than mm-hmm. trying to, and he couldn't scrub his mind, and that's where the disconnect came. And he he will never be able to scrub his mind of those indignities. That's the same with the victims of these priests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they carry this with them for a lifetime. You know, some act out in different ways. Some seek to, you know, who believe that they are going to satisfy or cleanse their mind if they can kill that priest. Mm-hmm. And, or, and some simply just ball up in a and they're never the same again. And then you have those who simply move on with their lives. It's just a part of their history, and that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Our number is 347-838-9852 on this Friday special of Our Common Ground. And you can jump right in on this discussion. We're talking right now about Eddie Long. $25 million, where's the money coming from? How will the local black community economy be affected by uh, this settlement in terms of how it restricts the programs that might come out of uh, this um, out of this church? Anybody got any ideas about, you know, how this is how this is going to play out? The other is what just amazes me is that why is he still the preacher? Why is he still the minister at this church? Come on, well, Alpha, you got some idea. Well, they did circle the wagons around him. They believe in uh, him. Uh-huh. They believe in him. I believe in unicorns that fart glitter too. You know, at some point, at some point in some time, this is have, you know you have to be able to separate men from the meta, metaphysical. There's no man can tell you what God said. It's high, high-priced uh, propaganda. And that's what it is. It's front men for the Lord. Yeah, it's yeah. those who seek to relieve a fool of his money. And you know that saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. 
Well, they're looking to part you from your dollar. And that's the bottom line. Hardworking people, gullible people. And I'm not saying this is not a this is not any uh anti religious rant. This is just the bottom this is these are the facts. This is the bottom line. This is simply another example of some fake self proclaimed man of the cloth, some wordsmith, some gift to gab individual who has taken on that moniker of bishop, preacher, reverend. Well, you know, it's really interesting because I read somewhere, and I can't recall where I read it, that even though this is a a Baptist church, that there is no such thing as a bishop in the Baptist church. There is no title. Wait a minute. Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. So he just made this up. Okay. I'm the... <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me, let me put it like this. I am the imperial mac daddy of the church. How about making that up? We'll make you the prophet of TruthWorks Network. How about that? Okay, there you go. Send all your donations here. I, <laughs> let me get my hand out so I can wipe my brow. Let me put it like this. That is where this leads to. This false, you know, isn't one of the, isn't one of the commandments something about shall not uh, uh, idolize false prophets? See, because I got three commandments and seven do the best you can. And that's how I live. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you get right down to it, who's the fool? Who's zooming who? Ain't that what that thing uh, no. I know who's zooming who. Alpha, you're going to be on the air at 3 p.m. tomorrow at TruthWorks Network, and we're looking forward to the just damn politics. Yeah, I know I'm you're going to be. What are you going to be covering? You know, you know what, Janice. One of my themes is going to be the whose whose battlefield do you fight on, and why is it that you allow your enemies? And your or your opponents, however you want to identify them, mm-hmm. how do you allow them to dictate what you argue about or what you debate? How is it and why is it that we are mm-hmm. arguing about and debating spending? Because I got you. Spending has been with us for decades. We hope that you will join Alpha tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern Time at TruthWorks Network here at Blog Talk Radio for Just Damn Politics on the Alpha Show. We also hope that you will join us tomorrow night at Our Common Ground and our regular programming. We're, our topic is the color of economic inequality, and our guest will be Dr. Derek Hamilton of the Department of Economics at the New School for Management and Urban Policy. We're going to get on out of here, and we appreciate that you have been with us tonight. Thank you very much. Support us by joining our common ground-talk.ning.com so that we can always be in touch. I'm Janice Graham, and he is Alpho. Thank you, Don, for your call. Thank you, House Music Lover and JY in our chat room 
uh, along with our guests and house music lover and Keita Dika, our KK. Thank you for joining us tonight. We hope to see you tomorrow night. We're going to go out with a part of a lecture from Dr. Joyce DeGruy. See you tomorrow night. Good night, Alpho. I, I think that um, all of us, all of us are in the trenches, you know, and on different levels. Like I said, you know, I, I always try to think about whose shoulders I, I stand on. And I think God, Harriet, didn't get too tired, you know. Um, and, and I think it takes it takes a great effort. And I think a lot of it is a psychic injury. I know we do need to take care of ourselves, and, and I and I want us to learn how to embrace and love each other and be patient with each other and to understand how I want to say this because it's very important what we do to each other with words yes. you see we have and I want to say this very quickly about men and women in particular we're both in the rifle sight all the time and um, and I am in the book I've actually written a book I'm, I'm at this point shopping and looking at getting it published but the, the, the book speaks to these kinds of things and one of them is to see how we have exacerbated each other what we've done to survive, and there's nothing like a black woman's tongue. It is how we've learned to fight. It is our weapon. Safe place to vent. So who are you going to vent at? That's a safe place for me to vent. And she's going, oh no, I don't think so. That's not going to happen. And then we lacerate him. And the very thing that we use to lacerate each other with, his uh, dominance and her aggression is the antithesis of what either of us can take. And so what we do is we destroy each other in an act of trying to survive. And we have to be very, very careful because as tough as we are with, with lacerating, we can't take it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you the truth. We can't take it. And so it's something that we have to learn in terms of how to talk to each other, how to be loving and to be patient with people. You know, um, folks got issues. Anybody here uh, undefeated? Okay, then ain't nobody here made it nowhere. I know I can't say I'm undefeated. So I, you know, I don't. I think we're pretty hard on each other, and we gotta we gotta learn to give some room because we're we are really fragile people. Okay, so you you need to take care of you, and at the same time, you have to be forgiving and you have to be understand that our ancestors and everyone. I want you to imagine not not even Harriet. I want you to imagine the slave at year 150. Okay, and what they believe. Okay. So we, we've got, you know, we, I don't know, I know we have a right to be tired, but I can't complain too much, I don't think. So I'm saying, yeah, it's going to take more, and unfortunately that's, that's what it's called for. We're going to be, all of us going to be tired, but it'd be nice if we have more folks working. That'd be nice. Thank you. It's mm -hmm. oh, not enough. Um, telling people about it is the first level. It's raising the, giving people permission to take a look at it. It's raising aware, awareness, and often I was talking to Onaje, and I want to acknowledge the people in the room that are, really have been here. Um, uh, Anaji and his wife, Niyamo. I got it right. Niyamo, I get names crazy. Um, and, oh, Gil Noble, I know is here. I don't know if Adelaide Sanford uh, made it. My elder and my uh, dear friend and mentor. Um, I don't know. I know Carol was here earlier. But uh, these are the folks that, you know, when, when I look at talking about what it's going to take, one of the first levels is cathartic. It really is. It's, it's really being able, because if you find out, you know what, why we always have to tell black people when they get to the mic, please ask the question? You know why we got to ask them that? How many times do you get a chance to get to the mic? 
you see? And, and you want to tell your story. You want to be able to say what it felt like. I know that about black people. And I know we don't have all the time in the world, but we've got to understand that the first part of that is awareness. The other is really developing treat, treatment modalities that are culturally appropriate and specific. Thank you. Hello, I'm Sam Saline. I really enjoyed your lecture. In your lecture, you talked about violence and how that related to um, uh, respect. And the more respect you have, the less violent you uh, tend to be. The question that I have for you is, for us as a people, if we stopped identifying with the N-word, do you think that would uh, contribute to uh, less violence amongst our people? Um, probably among some of us. I think that we have to know what has gone on. Like, for example, sir, I don't know how old you are. Would you mind telling me how old you are? You are right now? I'm 59. You're 59 years old. Do you recall a time when it was inappropriate to call a black man a boy? Yes. Okay. Now, I don't care who it was. You don't call. I know you didn't call my daddy a boy. You didn't do it under any circumstances. It, it, it was visceral. It could cause you to lose your life, calling my daddy a boy. Um, and that had to do with the disrespect. Now, everybody says, yeah, I'm with my boys. You know, get your boys. Oh, those are my boys. That's my boy. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? So we're, we're looking at it as a generational thing. The N-word, in my perspective, it's not a, a good thing. Okay. Um, but I also know it as a colloquialism among black youth, hip-hop, a variety of people, they, they um, interpret it a lot of ways. I'm looking at the hip-hop generation, which we need to get with. And we need to get with them. And I don't mean in a harsh way, because you know they're surviving. And with, because of our lack of giving them tools, they figured out their own. And it's a bit aberrant. But they're doing that in face of, you know what, I'm going to make it one way or another. I'm going to get mine. And that's because somewhere along the way, we did not give them the armor to deal with that. Thus, the N-word has become uh, one of those, it's almost a defiance. And it serves to both unite and also alienate. All at the same time. And that, that is just a reflection of our lack of contact and interaction with the group of folks that say, you know, you ain't helping me survive. I'm going to make sure I figure it out. May I see you after the show? <laughs> sure. I'm going to be around. Okay. Um, okay, I have. Um, yes. Uh, good evening. Um, I thank you for your lecture. I've been looking forward to meeting you. I heard you on the radio. But anyway, my name is Helen Burrell. I'm from New York City. My title really, really doesn't matter at this point. But my question is that they use the rationale about a black, black selling slaves from Africa and white selling slaves from Africa. And how do you answer that question? Because somebody's trying to psych somebody out here. Well, you know, the, the thing is that there's all, it's, it's also, I'm going to answer that in, the, in a really kind of unique way. You all remember the Million Man March. I remember because of my birthday, October 16th, and one of the things that I noticed, and I was so touched, I was so moved, just watching the television, I was just so, I can't just tell you what happened to me physically, it just was wonderful, you know, I didn't care if they were going there to shoot marbles, I really, it didn't matter to me, but before it could even... Thank you for being here with us at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and for me and for my co-host, Alpo of the Alpo Show, we appreciate your listenership. 
and your loyalty. We'll see you next week, 10 p.m., here on Our Common Ground. Woke up this morning after another one of those crazy